Amen. So we're here in Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20. It's a small little section. Uh, we've been doing this red letter series, just looking at the words of Jesus during his earthly ministry. Uh, we've kind of prefaced it every time that we get into the series uh, week by week, just saying that all of uh, the Bible is God's word. Uh, that's God revealing himself to his people from Genesis to Revelation. Um, and all of it is important. You don't want to look at Jesus's earthly words and say that those are the more important ones. Uh, for Jesus is Lord, he is God, our God. Um, so all of this is his, and we should follow it. Um, but we've been looking uh, particularly at his words during his earthly ministry and what he had to say. And one of the things that came up Last week when we were talking about getting away from man's traditions, someone posed the question. They said, well, what about the Sabbath? What do we do about the Sabbath? Uh, should we still follow it? Because we say that uh, we shouldn't murder. Amen, church? We say that we shouldn't lie. We should honor our parents, our fathers, and our mothers. Um, we should do those kind of things. I, I just want to kind of go over briefly the, the Ten Commandments, these things. Um, but also understand, and I'll probably preface, or say this again in just a little bit. And when we refer to God's law, it's not just the Ten Commandments follow. Um, that's not something that's really up for debate. It's way more than just these ten. Uh, these ten have even been adopted by um, a lot of uh, countries and the morals of those countries and those people, America in particular. Um, but it's not just this. And Christians, we ought to know this. So that's what we want to do. We want to kind of refresh but also get greater clarity from God's word. So the Ten Commandments uh, goes this, you shall have uh, no other gods before me, shall make no idols, you shall not uh, take the name of the Lord your God in vain, keep the Sabbath day holy, honor your father and your mother, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet. Uh, so that's a little bit of what we're, we're talking about. And it was a really good question because we say all of those, but when it comes to the Sabbath, we do tend to, absolutely, myself included, neglect or misunderstand what exactly the Sabbath was. Um, and this is something I, I've even noticed in, in working with our six-year-old as we're kind of working through the, the Bible, uh, just little stories at a time, right, uh, for her to just kind of comprehend and just remember. Uh, but even today as we were walking out the door, I said, Maylee, what is today? And she's like, I don't know, like, you know, we just had Mother's Day, so is there like another holiday? Like, is there something I need to know about, Dad? I said, no, today is, is Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. And do you know why we worship on the Lord's Day? And she's like, mm-mm. I said, it's because that's when J Jesus was raised from the dead. And we see in Acts that they were meeting on the first day of the week. The first day of the week is Sunday. The last day is Saturday. Saturday was the Sabbath, right? That was the day of rest. God established this long ago before the commandments even were revealed to God's people. And the sense that God, uh, being all-powerful, right, he didn't need to rest, but he showed us this pattern of rest. He rested on the seventh day. Now, uh, we, we kind of work our way into that. And, and Maylee, what she was saying, though, like right after that, she said, yes, it, it's, it's our day of rest, the Lord's day. It's like this new Sabbath. And I hear this a lot from Christians, but we actually don't have a new Sabbath and that the day changed. Um, I don't think that I have it much in my notes here. But again, we worship on the first day of the week because we see that pattern in the New Testament. We see that they met on the first day of the week. 
Uh, the word Sabbath and, and uh, day is, is pretty similar uh, in the Greek, so there's some dispute whether they were actually meeting on the Sabbath or one of the Sabbaths, one of the days. Um, but we believe uh, from the scriptures it's revealed that they met on Sunday. And the reason being is that's the day that Jesus was raised. We want to worship him and remember him. But it hasn't changed. Now, something was uh, revealed and given greater clarity, but we'll get to that. But there's no new Sabbath day. This is the Lord's day. Amen, church? We're that far? Cool. This is, it's a lot, but it, it's, it's, it's basic, but it's not. It's just something that like, it can kind of get overlooked in our walk with the Lord. So my objective for us this morning is this. If you're a note taker, write this down. This is what I want us to, to better understand this morning when we're looking at the law, not just the Sabbath, but the law altogether and what Christ established in his coming to earth. This objective is to understand churches that we have a greater understanding of what Jesus came to do and, and what he accomplished and established on our behalf. To, to better understand that, uh, what we need to do is look at the law, the purpose, and the liberation uh, that we have in our Lord Jesus. So the first point, the law. Okay, so the law, first off, again, kind of repeating, when I speak of the law, I'm primarily speaking of the Mosaic law, that being the Ten Commandments and the laws given to Moses in general, um, involving religious practice, sacrifice, and so on. Uh, Moses uh, had a lot more go on in his life than just the Ten Commandments, right? You see this long life uh, of Moses, and you see how God continually revealed things to him, spoke to him, and Moses spoke to God's people on God's behalf, right? Moses goes up, and he gets the Ten Commandments, comes down, and God's people were already involved in idolatry. They were already involved in, in pagan practice. But it's not just limited to these Ten Commandments. Uh, so that's first off. Secondly, I don't want to write off the law, right? I'll spoil uh, this sermon and just state uh, first and foremost that I believe the scriptures make it very clear that we are in the new covenant per uh, Christ's words. And Luke 22, verse 20, Jesus says this, And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying this, uh, This cup is, that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So I want us to, to, to know what the law is. It goes beyond the Ten Commandments, but I also want us to, to not write it off. It's important. We don't dig into the Old Testament enough. We try and get in a pattern here as a church to go New Testament, Old Testament book, and then you kind of get a little bit of this. Let's take a little bit of a break. Let's look specifically at Jesus's words, deal with particular topics, um, but try and um, exegete the text. We want to bring out what the text is saying, even if we're bouncing around. So Jesus is establishing this new covenant, but he's not abolishing it, which Chris read that passage we'll get to. But I believe the law is something, church, we know and are still bound to in this sense that we ought to be holy as the Lord our God is holy. When you look at the Ten Commandments, church, you see uh, that you are exposed. When you look at the life of Christ, you see that you are exposed. When you look back at the law, you realize you have a need. And when you look at Jesus, you realize you have a solution, right? We see how depraved we are. We are sinful people. We're not perfect. Thus, we need a sacrifice. Lastly, let us approach the word of God humbly this morning and always praying for truth to be established in our hearts and in our church family that God may sanctify us according to his word. Let's look at Matthew 5. If you all haven't already turned there, uh, you can open your Bibles and turn to Matthew 5, verses 17 through 20, which were read to us already. This will not be on the screen, so if you've got your Bible, you can open up your phone, whatever you use. 
to read the word of God. Verse 17, Jesus says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to what, church? For throw down. I did not come. I noticed uh, we'll literally like throw our Bible down, right? Like we like read it and like didn't like that. I remember uh, when I was a, a kid, my brother was dealing with some stuff in his life, and um, he literally had his, his Bible, and I remember him telling us the story. He threw it. He was so mad. Literally, just what he read, the truth that he read, he didn't want to see. And I, that just sticks out to me uh, that I may not do that physically, but a lot of times, church, spiritually, I'm throwing down the word because it's something that I don't like. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come to do all that. I didn't come to spiritually or figuratively throw it to the side. I didn't come to annul it, uh, demolish it, destroy it, nothing, none of it. Indeed, church, Christ promotes the law in just a few verses after that, a couple verses. Verse 19, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great. In the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was not only here to fulfill it, but he promoted the law. He promoted the Old Testament word, which he himself used the prophets to pin down. See, it's important to understand that the Old Testament believers, church, were justified just as we are by faith. We absolutely believe that. Consider Abraham, who believed and it was counted to him as what? Anybody remember? Righteousness. It was credited to him. See, Christ, however, having come, he lived a perfect life. We look at his death, burial, and resurrection. Since he did all of that, he now imputes his own righteousness to us upon his salvation. But they in the Old Testament looked forward to the coming of their salvation, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So we look back at these things, but they were looking toward the coming of Jesus. And the way that they did that was, was by strictly observing the law, right? This was something that was very important to them. It was a way of, of, of bearing fruit. They were, they were seeking um, righteousness because God had saved them and they were trying to follow it. But they did not yet have the spirit. They did not have full understanding. They had a veil before their eyes. They could not fully understand. In church, we have a great privilege um, living post-resurrection to see the New Testament pinned down so that we can have a greater understanding of what, what the law was for, right? All of this was yet to be fully understood for them, but the law served its purpose. Consider when the law came after the exodus, that's the exit from Egypt, after all those years in captivity being slaves uh, to, a, to another land, to a foreign land, and then God uh, just miraculously removes them from Egypt, protects them, provides a way, closes the sea, and then what does God do? He establishes his covenant with his people, and it was for them to obey strictly. But they didn't see what the purpose was. Point number two. The full purpose couldn't be revealed until Christ had come. It's just one of those things that you just don't fully understand. Um, you can think about marriage, right? Like, it's beautiful, too. Uh, as a kid, like, you know, as, as a young man, you just don't get it. Got married at 19. I'm like, boom, I got it. Um, I understand the beauty in it. I understand the struggle in it. I understand the covenant that we made together when it says, till death do its part in sickness and in health. And I've learned that most sickness is just my own depravity, right? It's my own sin, right? It's not just physical illness, but it's, it's dealing with one another and our sinful nature. And it was when I got married that I had a better understanding of what marriage really was. 
And it's like you try and talk to someone who's not married and explain to them marriage, and they're like, try and talk to them about parenthood, try and talk to them about finance. Hey, you've never bought a house here. Let me give you some tips. I don't think it'll be like that. Oh, you're going to find out, right? Like you just, you can't. And, and guess what? When we were in that, that, that same boat, when before you had bought a house, you were saying the same thing to your parents. You were saying the same thing to your mentors. Just don't fully understand until you've been there. And same thing for the Jews. They didn't know what the Messiah, especially Moses, what the Messiah would look like. Didn't know all the things he would do in his life, but they knew a Messiah is coming. The Lamb of God is coming that I may have life. God is going to provide an eternal sacrifice so that these lambs no longer need to be slaughtered. Grains and offerings don't need to, to be made and, and, and offered up to atone for anything. For Hebrews tells us it never atoned for anything to begin with. It was only a sign of the one to come. We've talked about the purpose of the law before, but it's crucial to revisit. Maybe some of you are like, man, the law just gets old. Indeed, yeah, I mean, it's terrible. At it long enough and you forget to look at Jesus, you'll feel like crud, right? You're just going to feel terrible. That's why it's important that we look to Jesus also. See, church, we know when and why they got the law, but truthfully, the purpose wasn't fully revealed until the coming of Christ. Uh, any office fans? Yeah? All right. Oh, there's more than one. Come on. Raise your hand, expose yourself. <laughs> Yeah, if you don't like The Office, you probably watch Parks and Rec or you're older and you like Seinfeld, and that's good too, right? Like Seinfeld, um, haven't watched much of it. I know the little bass riff and like not how to play it. I just kind of, yeah, remember it all. Anyways, in The Office, this reminded me when I was thinking of the, the fully revealing even beyond marriage. There's an episode where uh, Dwight, uh, he's, he's one of the main characters. He's kind of quirky, a little offbeat, does some like real like interesting things. And then the... Um, the office manager, the regional manager, Michael Scott, uh, who always does crazy things, like inappropriate, but like not meaning to, like um, HR gets called on him a lot, kind of ordeal, right? Well, he gets Dwight this Christmas present that Dwight has to piece together. And you know, you get this bag of toys um, or just all these pieces, and you're trying to figure out, like, what do I do with it? Men were used to this, no instructions, talk about this all the time. But Dwight looks at it, and he's like, this is pointless. He's like, maybe you should build it. He starts building it, and it kind of progresses through the episode. You see him in the background getting frustrated with it, um, and then he finally pieces it together, and it's this really cool-looking device, but you can tell he doesn't know what to do with it, right? And he's, he's looking at it, and he's like, he's like that's, that's ridiculous. That's not going to help me. He's like, all right, and he walked away, and then Dwight finally puts the walnut in, and he realizes it's a, a nutcracker. He crunches it through, and he's just amazed. He's just perplexed at, at how this device, it, it all came together, and this was its purpose the whole time. He's like, there's so many different nuts that I could crack with this thing, and I can't even begin to name them because all, I, I struggled to remember walnut. I know peanuts and cashews. I found out that they're like a fruit. They're a, veg, a fruit, right? Grammy's already nodding her head, something like that. It's really interesting to me. Uh, but beyond that, consider the Old Testament when they were piecing this together, right? They were trying to understand fully when the Messiah would come. They were trying to fully understand what, what God, the Father's full plan was as they continued to offer sacrifices and go to the temple so that they could be in his presence or around his presence and worship him. And then Jesus comes like the walnuts, and then the Jews rejected him. Like, this is ridiculous, but to those who received it and pieced it together and understood the gospel fully were in awe and in wonder. But church, what do we do with the law and with 
the gospel? What was the purpose of the law if Jesus came to fulfill it? Do we need to, to reevaluate whether we should start um, an altar up here where we bring blood sacrifices? Not at all. Galatians 3, we went through Galatians. If you didn't go through it with us, you can listen back on the podcast. But Galatians 3, 19 through 24 says this. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is not the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But if the scripture, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. See, it's so important when you, when you read that. It's the law contrary to the promises of God. He says, certainly not. If, if, if being obedient and being a good person could, could redeem you, revive you, give you life, breathe, breathe air back into your lungs and redeem you to the Father, then so be it. But it couldn't. But what he says the purpose of the law is, is, is the uh, scripture imprisoned. The law imprisoned everything under sin. That is like to have custody. So the law had custody of all creation. And those who don't know Christ as Lord still has custody. Sin still has dominion and death still reigns over them. But to those who would place their faith in Christ Jesus have been set free it says, now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned. He reiterates, until the coming faith would be revealed. So the law was our guardian. A watch out, right? Keeps you in line. It's something that, that we, church, we need. We need boundaries, right? We need, we need limits. <clears throat> and us as humans, what do we like to do when we... Boundaries are good, right? They keep us in line. And we like to, because we know those lines, get as close as we can to them before going over. But what we need to do is reevaluate. What do we do as believers? If Christ has set us free, we've been given new life, and to use that life for the glory of God, how do we do it? It's by understanding those lines and staying far, far away from them, church. Now, am I saying there's um, an abolition of, of this or that? No, use self-control. But know the word of God. Know what the law says. Know what Christ has redeemed you from. And know what he's given you life to do. To go and to make his name known. To be holy as the Lord our God is holy. It was a guardian for the people. But church, strict obedience. Strict obedience was not required to be saved. But like us, it showed their true devotion to God. Consider all of the Old Testament. You, you look at um, Abraham, right, when he, when he goes up with his, his son. and That sacrifice wasn't going to happen, but it was a sign of the sacrifice God would make on our behalf. And it showed his faith. It showed where his devotion was. But it's always been about faith. And if uh, it was... It was 
I think it was John Locke, a quote from John Locke, not the one from uh, Lost, um, but a different one. And um, pretty much the quote, it, it ended with this, talking about law and liberation. And it said, where there is no law, church, there is no freedom, right? We don't understand freedom if we don't understand captivity, right? And that's what's so amazing when you look at, like, uh, some of the, the, uh, our African-American brothers and sisters that went through slavery. And, and they came out and they experienced liberation physically. And you see the joy that they had where they could sing of their God and to their God actually coming out of captivity, Wow, it's like it's beautiful and it's something that we don't understand because many of us have just always lived free. But understand the law and then understand your liberation in Christ. Point number three, the liberation. You, you understand the law and you see its purpose, that its purpose was to be our guardian, to, to show us our transgressions. Church, and not just that, absolutely they, they were not to murder. Church, absolutely you were not to murder. Christ has fulfilled the law, but that doesn't mean it's been annulled. It doesn't mean it's done away with. But if you don't know Jesus, you're still under it. But if you know him, you've been freed and you've been given a greater understanding of the purpose of the law in your liberation. So these points are so closely connected. When you have liberation, you fully understand its purpose. Christ has set us free by fulfilling the law leading up to 3 verses 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. So how do, you, how do you relieve yourself of that guardian? Church, you don't. Christ relieved you from it. When he died on the cross and he breathed his last, he, he not only took your sin, it was imputed to him. All of the, the weight that you were carrying this week of being a terrible person, like, like all of us do, we carry that weight. Jesus took it. And not just in taking it and leaving you with nothing, like, hey, all you had was bad and now you've got nothing. No, he says, no, I'm going to take the bad and I'm going to give you my righteousness. The king of kings gave you all that he had, all good and all holy. Now, we've got a waging war with our flesh of how we, how we go out and show the love of the Lord that now lives inside of us. We have a waging war about how we show grace and how we show mercy and compassion to others when they're dealing with different struggles. When they're dealing with sin in their life, how we go about bringing them to reconciliation. But we are no longer under that covenant, for Christ has established the new covenant. Consider back to Jesus' words. The cup that I pour out is the new covenant in my blood. Now that is yet to be fully revealed. And church, we pray for that day. We pray for when we can see the full culmination of the new covenant by the blood of Jesus. Amen? We long for that day. I mean, I pray every day, come Lord Jesus, come. I hear about a shooting on the, the interstate in Wadsworth, and I'm like, that's crazy. Come, Lord Jesus, come. This is chaos. We need order. Lord, establish your word here, and please, God, on, heaven as it, and on earth as it is in heaven, would you make us more like you? But this is key. He established a new covenant. This part is key. We have what they didn't have in the Old Testament. Anybody know what that is? The indwelling of the Spirit of God. The indwelling of the Spirit of God. They did not have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. The Spirit came and went upon the people, in the people, used prophets to speak. You read about them having um, infillings at times, but the Spirit would, would leave. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, you can write that down for later, but you have a prophecy of this new Spirit that we would have because of the coming and going of our Lord and Savior. There was no longer a need, though, church, 
Because of the indwelling of the Spirit, there was no longer a need to retreat to Jerusalem. You see, the Sabbath particularly was really interesting because it was a day of rest, right? They didn't work, but it wasn't specifically a day of worship like we have on the Lord's Day. Sure, they worshiped. They drew near to the temple. Sacrifices were made every single day for the sins of the people by the priest. But the Sabbath was this day of rest to remember the goodness of God. And to draw near to the temple so that they could draw near to God. Why would they have to do that? You see, what we've done is we've been, we've been given the spirit where we no longer have to come inside of four walls. But out there is where we church against God. And everywhere as a believer, you go, you have God with you. I mean, praise be to God that we don't have to come to a temple and look like, God, yes, you are so good. And we're, we're talking this way and we're preaching this way and we're, we're praising God this way. But God says to the woman at the well, what does he say? He says Jesus, says, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. They didn't have to retreat there, church. You all don't have to retreat here. You are, you are uh, commanded by the scriptures to not forsake the assembly. Praise be to God for your obedience this morning and that we would gather together. But you were not commanded, and this is not the only place that you can worship. You don't have to go to a priest to, to have prayer. You don't have to come to this building to sing songs. I mean, the, the Moreland um, group this year just had worship all the time. And just, you just see it bust out, and it's on Facebook. And I'm like, man, like, still doesn't touch the cookies that Robin and LaDonna bring. But, you know, it's <laughs> praise be to God for these delicious cookies, these crackers. They're, actually, they're terrible. You guys won't want them, so <laughs> we have a better understanding. Church, praise be to God that that veil was torn, that we have a better understanding of the purpose of the law because of our liberation in Christ. The significance of the temple of old was that that was God's dwelling place. Now you are his dwelling place. Furthermore, he did not discredit the law, but he exposed its true meaning. I would encourage you all to read uh, the rest of chapter 5. Nelson hit on it. He says, you heard that uh, it is said, you shall not murder but I say that if you have anger in your heart, you've committed murder already. You've heard that you shouldn't commit adultery. These are, these are part of the Ten Commandments. Jesus is giving greater understanding. Now imagine that. They're like, man, like I didn't kill anybody, but man, I really wanted to punch Bob that one time. Jesus is saying, you're just as bad off as the guy who killed. He furthers the law. See, Jesus fulfilled it, but man, he made it really hard before letting us fully understand it says, even if you think these things, and he starts using words like chopping off your hand when you steal, and you're like, ooh, this law is real. It is. But he fulfilled it. He, he exposed its true meaning, that God doesn't want our outward deeds. He wants our heart. And as he changes and sanctifies your heart, church, it will be revealed to the world through your deeds by the power of God living in you today. Romans 7 verses 6 and 7 says this, but now we are released from the law 
having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. I mean, Paul just, he makes it so clear, church, that we are in this new covenant and this beautiful stage in church. You shouldn't covet, right? You shouldn't steal. And on the Sabbath, you know what's beautiful about that one? That, that, so that's where it came from, right? Like all of us know that. But then like, what do we do with the Sabbath? Pastor said it's Saturday. And indeed, church, it is, right? Like I don't believe we'll find anywhere where the Sabbath changed to Sunday. Um, and it's just a wording thing. It's just a little better understanding on what the Sabbath was. Uh, and then we'll start calling Sunday the Lord's Day and not the Sabbath. But what Jesus came to do was give us eternal rest. See, the Sabbath was always about rest, drawing near to God, remembering what he did, and not doing anything that day. Now, I believe that that's a healthy practice that a lot of us could do, but it is not something that is, is, is to be weighing on your shoulders, for Jesus gives us rest each and every day. Because, church, we no longer have to, to work to earn we no longer have to, to do to attain. Now, don't go to, to your workplace and say, Pastor said I don't have to do anything because Jesus, that's not what I'm saying. This is spiritual, right? This is, this is true life. So when it comes to the Sabbath, church, you all rest each and every day. You pray each and every day. Indeed, Paul says, never cease from praying. Don't stop praying. Pray for me. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for the world. Pray for peace. But to our brothers and sisters who would want to, to establish in their home um, to, to continue to follow and observe the Sabbath on Saturday and, and not do anything, then that's great. There was this conflict between uh, the, the Jewish believers, which was most of the early church, and the Gentiles who were now receiving the gospel uh, they, they ran into an issue. It says, hey, should they be circumcised? Should they continue to follow these feasts? Uh, what do we do with the Gentiles? Because they've never followed any of the old law, the old covenant. What do we do about them? They had a council. You can read about that in Acts, where they, they met and they determined what was right. And Paul writes of this in Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or what church? A Sabbath. These are shadows of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So the Sabbath, the law, everything was this, the shadow. We're all looking this way. The holiness of the Father and God is, is that way. And Jesus is standing there like an eclipse. And you see his shadow and you're like, okay, I'm reading all of it. And it's got this shadow. And Jesus comes into the picture and it's fully revealed. Free. And we have eternal rest in Christ. And the only way, church, to really get there is to understand the law and its purpose and your liberation in Christ Jesus. You are no longer bound because your Lord fulfilled it perfectly on your behalf. Follow the Lord your God with all your heart. Love him. Serve him. But remember that you've been set free. To those of you who, who want to stick and you, you're convicted and you're like, no, I understand we have eternal rest always. Jesus is our Sabbath. We rest every day. Then rest every day. Pray to God. Don't wait till Sunday to confess your sins. Don't wait till Sunday to hand it over to Jesus. Lament through the week. That means to just complain, right? 
Like literally complain, life is tough. God, your will, but not mine. If you're here today and you're convicted the other way, then how, how can we serve you? If you want to observe that, uh, that Sabbath rest on a, on a Saturday, how can I help you to follow that and to, to, to look to that? Church, I think that's great. I think Messianic Jews who still follow a lot of the Old Covenant just as observance is beautiful. I'm not of the same conviction, but what does Paul say there? He says, we have freedom. Don't judge the brother who wants to continue it. Don't judge the one who sees differently on this issue, issue as, as Jesus is our Sabbath church because we've been saved by the same God and he's, he's just revealed so much to us. And if you're here today and you've never had any rest and you're like, man, I don't know if it's Saturday, I don't know if it's every day, but I need rest. No, you need Jesus. Maybe you've never turned to him and, and repented of your sins and, and surrendered your life to him. Do that. Repent. He says, come to me. All who are, who are weary, right? And you will find your rest. Church, as you go out this week, please look at the law. Like, literally speed limits and everything. Someone was riding me uh, on the way to church, right? Obey that law. But consider the law of God. And that without the intervention of Christ Jesus, we'd be held dominion captive to that law. And go and tell people of the freedom that you found in Christ, because if they don't have Jesus, they are still captives. Tell them and share of that freedom that you have. Band, if you want to come back up, we'll end with one song. I just, church, thank you all for being here this morning, just worshiping, and I just pray that this has been beneficial. But I, I really want to encourage you, keep diving into the Old Testament. I'll go ahead and a little spoiler alert, we're going to start uh, Leviticus in June. So some of you all buckle up. Uh, start reading, what? Speaking of like animal sacrifices, uh, we're not going to do that. Um, we, you know, sometimes if we read about communion, Tammy's like, what? No, I got a lamb at home. Like, uh, well, I, Tammy has funny voices, she does. Listen, listen. But the reason we're going to do that is because it had a purpose that pointed us to our Lord, right? Amen. If you all would go ahead and stand, we're going to sing of our Lord and to our Lord, wrap up this morning. But remember that Jesus came to fulfill it, uh, he, that you may have life, you may have rest, and you may love him and serve him for all of your life because his spirit now lives inside you, so you have the power to do so. Father God, thank you for this morning that we've had to gather in your name. God, I pray that you would just bless us. Remind us that you are with us always as we go out this week. God, that that would be a great comfort to us, that you, our God, are dwelling in us. You're with us every step of the way, and you are leading our path. So God, just use us for your purpose. And may we repent always when we fall short, but may we always, always, always be reminded we are already forgiven because of what Christ did. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.